The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. From the A Dream Fulfilled album. The man is a superstar, ladies and gentlemen, especially in the genre of smooth jazz, if that's what you want to call it. It goes beyond labels. This magnificent voice belongs to Will Downing. Girl, it's been a while. Guess you'll be glad to know that I've learned how to land and smile. Get it Slow. They say old lovers can be good friends, but I never thought I'd really see. Will Downing, how are you? So glad you could join us this morning. Man, thanks for having me, brother. I'm glad to be on the extravaganza. And before this interview is over, I'm going to ask you about this Bose Nerdly name thing. <laughs> ha! Uh-oh. He doesn't know, folks. He doesn't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to school you. Uh, you might have to strap in. Okay. Let's, let's talk Will Downing. Man, you have one of the most amazing voices ever in music oh, history. Thank you. Thank when you, did you? Thank you. I appreciate that. When did you know that you had the gift? And listen, I I, I didn't know, and I still don't know. <laughs> I've been fooling people for thirty for over thirty five years and twenty six <laughs> albums. So twenty six albums. Said, you know, since the beginning. Okay, well, let me put it like this: When did you decide that you had the confidence in yourself to go in a recording studio? And throw it down under your name, your brand, Will Downing. Well, okay, that's well, that, that's a twofold question because you know when I decided to go start going in the studio, I was in high school. I went to a arts high school in Brooklyn called Erasmus Hall High School. You went to Erasmus, yeah. We New, New Yorkers, we know Erasmus. So you went oh, to yeah, Erasmus. Yeah. I went to E Hall, yeah. So it was a arts high school. And to be brutally honest with you, prior to me going there, I didn't take music, I mean, record, you know, the thought of being a recording artist, it wasn't even on my radar, to be honest with you. And then when I went to that school, it was a school of the arts at the time, and it was a lot of people in there that were like crazy serious about music. And that was probably my first time kind of taking it seriously and, you know, took myself into the studio with some of the other students in the school and that's kind of where it started. At least the bug had kind of bitten me there. And then I went off to college and I studied music at uh, Virginia Union University in Richmond, Virginia, HBCU. And I stayed there for about a year. And then, like, I started getting hearing stuff on the radio from people that I went to school with, like went to high school with. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to go back home <laughs> and I'm going to really jump into this thing. And that's what I did. So I came back to New York and then started singing around New York. Uh, as a background vocalist for, you know, anybody that would call, really. And uh, did a bunch of ghost records. And for those who don't know what a ghost record is, um, I would put out records 
under different names. So I was everybody but me. <laughs> so I had about five or six of them, like like little singles, uh, dance records that, you know, put out and kind of popular in the tri-state area. And then in 87, I was lucky enough to get a solo deal. So that's both of your question kind of encapsulated in all of those answers. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, it was you had a gradual rise. People, it, it took a minute. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. What was your, if you consider your breakthrough, the breakthrough album, what was it? Well, it's kind of strange. I mean, it depends on, you know, how you view a successful album. Um, my very first record, which was self-titled, you know, Will Downing, um, didn't really do well in America, but did unbelievably well overseas. Boom. So I yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy, man. I was, you know, the whole reason, or one of the reasons that I kind of got into the business, you know, was, was to have my ego stroked, as every artist does. You know, you don't want to be able to walk down the street in your own neighborhood. And my first record came out, and the, the accolades that I thought I was going to get were, like, minimal. But overseas, it was, it, it was unbelievable, man, the, the, um, the, the, how people received the album. I mean, I you know, I, I think I received uh, I do gold or platinum over there. I, think, I, know, I know I did gold. I can't remember if I did platinum overseas. So I ended up spending a lot of time over in the U.K. and in Europe uh, for the first two albums, believe it or not. And then in 1991, that's when I released the song that you just played, like I Go Crazy and I Try. Oof. And I became popular, you know, uh, back here in the States. And then, you know, we started working here. And it's been, you know, just as you just said, like a, a, a slow rise ever since, which is, you know, how a career should go. Right. Well, you know, look, I, that's when I first became aware of you was a Dream Fulfilled album. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. I, at the time I was, um, I don't remember whether I was music director of a station or not. I just remember I got the album. And this was back with the vinyl days. I got the album. I said, this looks okay. interesting. I put, I put it on and my mind was blown. It's like, whoa, who is this? <laughs> and no, and you know what, you know what the, to me, and I'm sure you look, you grew up in New York. You probably, we probably listened to the same radio stations. I listened to a lot of radio stations. I listened to RVR mm -hmm. back when yep. the day I listened to WABC. Of course I was music director yep. of WABC back in the day. Um, I, I started at WWRL and, and, and of course we all listened all right. to, you know, BLS and, and, and kiss. We, you know, we, we had a, one of the things I loved about being in New York, if if you are truly interested in new in music or culture, there's no better place to be than the New York area because you get exposed to everything. You get exposed to to stuff. I was exposed to everything from Mahavishnu Orchestra to to you know yeah. um, to all kind of music, and and you and you really do have an appreciation. The operas here, everything is right. And so when I listened to your album, the first album, and this then became um, just it's just the way you do things. There are very. There was a period of time where you could put on an album and you heard your hit song, and maybe there was another thing on there that you like, and the rest of it was kind of filler music. You don't do filler music. Right. Every song is deliberate. Every song is you bring it all. You bring the music. You bring a superb vocal that to it, and it's it's. How do you select what you're going to do for an album? 
Well, in the well, well, first off, thanks, you know, for for all of that. I appreciate that, man. I, you know, when when I make these records, I try to make them a la carte. You know, I try not to to to, to build in bulk and then kind of just distribute it and it's all the same. So that's the one thing that I've always been taught: like, stay away from, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't 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 just you know put filler music stuff in there uh, just to, to to fulfill a contract, a forty five minute. Uh, contract that you're supposed to fulfill as far as an album is concerned. That used to be like the standard. Like you'd have to have a minimum of 45 minutes and then you get stuck at 30. It's like, hey, let's just write three, you know, crappy songs and make them go real long at the end, you know, to fulfill 15 minutes. Right. So, I, I you know, I've never done that. Um, I mean, I've always had like my ears to the streets. And as you release albums, people will kind of tell you what they expect from you. You know, like you normally like your first record is, you know, is you is who you are. You know, it's all the energy that you've had bottled up inside of you, all the ideas that you've had over the years normally come record and everyone's first record is normally slightly disjointed. So, it, you know, for me, it was like some R&B stuff on there. There was some kind of like jazz house stuff on there. Like I did a, a um a version of a love supreme john coltrane's a love supreme we added lyrics to it and the gentleman that i was working with was like in the house music so you know the song was 120 beats per minute you know so and it was very <laughs> yes. house oriented so you know that's we the way we did that i had like one kind of like what i called like a rock ballad so the record was a little bit of everywhere and then as you distribute the record and as you travel and you do shows people will let you know what they want from you so for me, folks were kind of like, yeah, I like the way you do mid-tempos and ballads. So then you started, you know, you start kind of, you know, crafting what you do based around that. And that's kind of what I've always done. So, you know, Lenny White who was a friend, is a friend of mine. And Lenny, when I first started out, I would do things uh, R&B, like straight up R&B. And he said, man, you're so much more than that. He said, my R&B to me is repetitious and boring. And it, it has always stuck with me for for some reason, man. So I've always <laughs> so I've always tried like not to do that. You know, every time something gets like, okay, here, let's just let's take that chorus and do it again. It's like, nope, that's repetitious and boring. <laughs> so I've always tried not to be that. So little answers like that sort of you know make you make you uh, be a little better, push you to be a little better. And makes you push the boundaries musically a little bit. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. It does. I want to ask you, I want to switch gears a minute and not, and, and let's put the music down and put up Will Downing personal life. Mm -hmm. You have gone through your own medical issues mm -hmm. and it was, it was deep from all accounts that I've read about it. You went through some deepness. Tell folks about it if you want to. Yeah, of course I do. I mean, hopefully it'll help someone out, uh, someone else out, so they don't make the mistakes that I made. Um, in 2006, early 2007, I was out on the road, and you know, at that point, you know, I was doing really well uh, as far as bookings were concerned. You know, live shows, and I found myself on the road, like just being unbelievably fatigued and beat up and tired, and little things that you know we take for granted. I was having a hard time doing, like getting up from a chair or, you know, I, I, you know, I rock a bald head. So like even shaving my head, like keeping my hand above my head to shave it was like difficult or putting on a belt. 
stuff like that, going upstairs was like really hard. And instead of going to the doctor, you know, I kept making excuses like, hey, you know, we, we had two shows last night. I'm just tired. Oh, you know, we were did a long flight. You know, I'm just tired. Well, oh, that bus ride was a beast, man. Anybody else body beat up, you know? And I was just making excuses. And finally, it had gotten so, so bad that um, when I went to the doctor, um, I had lost like a considerable amount of weight. Um, I was unbelievably weak. I went to the doctor. They took blood. They sent me home. Um, I got home, and these are the days of, like, answering machines. So, you know, put the answering machine on, and I got a message from the uh, the, the healthcare place. It was like an urgent care spot, and they were like, okay, go to the hospital right now. If you can't make it to the hospital on your own, call an ambulance, uh, and, but just get there tonight. They're waiting for you at this hospital. Go straight to the emergency room. I'm like, my jaw drops. I'm like, okay, what the hell is this? So, you know, my wife takes me to the hospital. As soon as I, you know, we pull up and walk in the door, you know, give them my ID, and they come running with a wheelchair, and they're like, yeah, sit down. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, what are you doing? Long story, even longer, from that day, I stayed in the hospital for three months. Basically, the day after I went to the hospital to get checked out, what I thought was just going to be, you know, like a, a little checkout or a shot or a pill or something, that next day, man, I was pretty much paralyzed um, from the waist down. I couldn't walk, and I could barely lift my arms. And, you know, next thing you know, within that three-month span, um, you know, you become like a pincushion. They, they're taking blood, and they're trying to figure out exactly what's wrong with you. And I ended up having something called polymyositis, and it's a, uh, it's a muscular disease. And it's in the family of, like, ALS, which is like Lou Gehrig's disease, which where there is no cure for it. And they initially thought that's what it was. And come to find out, it was something called polymyositis. Um, and basically, with this disease, uh, when, if, you, if you're not better within one, one to five years, whatever happens after that fifth year, that's what you're going to be. So if you're in a wheelchair, for the rest of your life, you're going to be in a wheelchair, pretty much. You know, they're, they, I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, that's the deal. And fortunately, within a year of me getting sick, um, little things started happening to me physically for the better. And slowly but surely, you know, within uh, about a year and a half, I kind of got back up again with the help of, obviously, uh, the, the good Lord above and uh, the medical science and, and, and healthcare workers and family, and slowly but surely, you know, I learned how to rewalk again. You know, you, you, you crawl, you walk, you run. So I had to go through all of that. All of that was pretty much a year and a half, two-year hiatus uh, for my physical ailment, and I was able to come back. So from 2000, late 2006 to about 2008, I was off the radar as far as touring is concerned, but I was also able to record from home. <laughs> so nice. uh, I had a, I had a little bit of a voice left. I was working with this brother named uh, Rex Rideout. He was producing my record. And I still had an obligation to record a record. So this brother would come to my home. He lived on the West Coast. He would come to my home on the East Coast and put a microphone in front of me, you know, because I was still in a, a wheelchair. I would go from a wheelchair to a hospital bed in my home. You know, that was my daily routine. He put the microphone in front of me. I'd sing whatever I could. 
you know, within a day, and, and it might just be one or two lines. And, you know, we kind of Frankenstein this album together. So the album was entitled After Tonight. And, you know, if you listen to that record, I, the way I sound now on the other prior recordings, I sound nothing like, you know, those other recordings because I was so weak and, you know, at, at pretty much at death's door in some cases. So, you know, but, but God is good. So I'm here talking with you. I'm feeling fine. I'm upright. We're back to work, putting out records, <laughs> you know. You got to go through trials and tribulations. That's what life is—a roller coaster. Your twenty-third record is out now. Can you hang with us? We got to take a break, and then we'll come right yeah, back. Sure, okay, sure. absolutely. Okay, please. James Golden, aka Snurdy, with you here. WABC Talk Radio seventy-seven. Will Downing is with us, superstar. And we're coming back. Don't go away. Keep it right there. Keep it right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Superstar is very often overused. In this case, it is not. I'll tell you what, there. this song, let me just give you a warning. If you are going through certain things in your life, you got to be careful when you put this song on. It'll bring you to tears. And that's no joke. And then there's this song from the new album. Pieces. The song is Make You Mine. Unmistakable voice. Unmistakable talent. Will Downing is with us. Well, you have a new single dropping tomorrow. I do. I do. I do, I do, I do. Yeah, well, well, actually, yeah, on uh, Monday, yeah. Uh, oh, that's what yeah, I meant, Monday. We, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's entitled Till We Meet Again, um, a single that I did not want to release. <laughs> but, you know, due, due to the circumstances behind it, I, you know, I, I had to get it out. All right. Uh, where Where can people find it? Well, they can come to my website. They can come to theprinceofsophisticatedsoul.com, or they can come to willdowning.com. They're both pretty much interlinked. Uh, I'll give you the backstory to the song uh, for okay. those who don't know. Uh, in January, January the 11th this year, my daughter passed away. 
Yeah, oh, well. my middle daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was 31 years old. Um, she unfortunately committed suicide. Uh, you know, the whole nine left the note, everything. So, yeah, this song uh, is to celebrate, you know, her life. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, you know I, I, if you have a musical platform, that's what you do, you know. So hopefully the lyric in this song will help other people who are going through things like this and uh, help families that, you know, who are, have to go on when uh, when their loved ones are gone and how you cope as well. So, yeah, so that's what the song is entitled, Till We Meet Again. How do you cope? Well, how you know, you, listen, how, how do you do it? It's, brother, it's only been a few months, and I can honestly tell you there's not a day that goes by where the tears don't roll from my eyes, you know. And, uh, you know, you just have to keep going. You know, you celebrate them and, and you keep going. You know, she was uh, a good kid. You know, she was diagnosed bipolar years ago. So, you know, up and down um, emotionally with everything, you know. Uh, and we did everything that we could, man. And, uh, you know, she lived on the West Coast, unfortunately, away from the majority of her, our family. And, you know, I guess the loneliness got to her, the world got to her. And, yeah, that's that. So, so Monday, so Monday, we can find this this album. I'm, we're gonna we're gonna play this. We'll, we'll play it, and we'll we will talk about this. Uh, well, I I had no idea, and I'm so sorry. That's oh, man, just brother. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, the the, the joy is is that people that have heard it, and actually, I'm releasing the the video to it uh, probably within the next 20 minutes. <laughs> it's going to wow. come on at, at 10 o'clock. We're premiering the video on my website. Uh, and and one of the good things about it, even when we shot the video, uh, the gentleman that, uh, that that produced it for me and directed it, uh, he heard the song and he was expecting something like really slow and, you know, kind of really dreary sounding. And it's not that. You know, it's the, the tune has got some tempo to it. It's, a, it's, it's musically, it feels good, but lyrically, it's very informative. Almost like the song that you just played just a short while ago. Sorry, I there's a story behind it, a poignant story, and people will get something out of it. And that's you know, pretty much all you can do. Yeah. Well, listen, time is short. I'm going to answer your question. Bo Snurley comes from the 30 years that I spent producing the most widely listened. Two radio show in American history, the Rush Limbaugh show. I was his producer for thirty years, mm-hmm. and and this nerdly thing comes with that. All of the people that were screening calls for him, which is what I did in the beginning, had to have the name uh, Ace Nerdly. No one remembers the other ones; they remember me, both Nerdly. But I always stayed, <laughs> yeah, man, and and so and that was a part of it. But you know, I was always doing. You know, you and I know people in common. Obviously, I mentioned to you, I think, an email I sent to you. Omar Hakim and I have written together. In fact, mm-hmm. years ago, I heard that you, you were thinking about doing one of Omar's songs and uh, that that I had co-wrote with him. And and he and I are good friends. He played on that album, A Dream Fulfilled. I found out when I read the credits. He, I think he he did drum a few drum tracks on there too. Oh, yeah. And oh, then yeah. you, oh, yeah. and you, yeah, the, the the people that you work with, man, like Rochelle Farrell. A lot of people don't know Rochelle is one of the most amazing singers and oh, voice and like an instrument, and so many others. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And listen, man, I have a list of them uh, that I kind of 
go down and so like, listen, before I leave the planet, before I leave the earth, I gotta work with this person, this person, this person, and this person. And and I've been blessed to work with a lot of people. Yes, Rochelle is obviously unbelievably talented. I do it. Nothing has ever felt like this. It's a song that if I don't do it in concert, it's gonna be some furniture moving, you know, it's gonna be some fights happening and so like luckily I've been blessed to, to have had some songs that people like have to hear and I've worked with people that I've always loved and admired, people like Stevie Wonder, you know, as well. I mean, I've been blessed, man. I'm 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 not complaining. I'm not complaining. But I ain't and done Phil yet. Perry, so you and Phil Perry you and Phil Perry together. That is just First of all, you and Phil Perry, and then on top of it, to do a Marvin Gaye song that was done by the originals. We played it earlier, Baby, I'm For Real. Oh, oh my. Yeah, Baby, I'm For Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil you know. Again, and he's crazy talented. You know, with, with Phil and I, you get the best of both worlds. He, You know, Phil has an unbelievably high voice, and I have a voice that's not, you know, not crazy, crazy Barry White deep, but, you know, I cover the baritone range and the baritone and tenor, so together, we we pretty much you know we got all the the male vocal range covered. So when we did that song, we tried to explore a little bit of everything. And you know we played going into the break. We played the end of Superstar where you gave that beautiful tribute to Luther. And you know, I, oh man, Will, the first time I heard that, I broke down. I'm sorry, man. That just I just I wasn't expecting it. When you went there the first time I heard it, I just broke down because that was just too much, man. That's just you know, there's never going to be another Luther Vandross. I mean, he was just, nope. he was just, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But by the, by, by the same token, you are in that, you are in that league, my brother. You, there's nothing, not going to be another Will Downing. You have carved out for yourself a place in musical history that is all your own. And you, you have done it in an amazing fashion. And I'm yeah, just so happy. I am so happy that you were able to spend this time with us. Again, please tell people where they can go, find the single, see the video, and on, on all the rest of it. Man, you can come to theprinceofsophisticatedsoul.com, or you can go to willdowning.com, and there will be a link that you can click on, and you can pick up the new single and pick up some of the classic stuff as well, the songs that we've uh, been playing over the last uh, 45 minutes or so uh, as well. So, you know, and you can also find out my touring schedule. So for those who are listening, you want to come check me out live, there's a touring schedule up there as well. So theprinceofsophisticatedsoul.com, willdowning.com. Shamo, be waiting for you. Thank you. Will Downing, thank you so much for being with us. Man, thanks for having me, brother. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.